0: Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you.
1: Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of His hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like
0: Hey, good morning. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. If you listen to hour one, then you know that I, um, yeah, I completely tripped and fell over. I mean, like, completely tripped and fell over the end of the last hour. I I don't know. The hour came to an end, and I died. died. I'm supposed to, yeah. So I just apologize and You can't take full blame, you know. I mean, I should have been monitoring and had the the, the, exit music playing and such. That would have cued you in, but... (sighs) Uh, Just not paying attention i'm so sorry um sometimes conversations are like that there's you know something else is supposed to be happening and we just keep talking so there you go um so uh if you were listening at the end of the last hour i apologize uh, for making a mess of it let's um let's start afresh here in hour two of mornings with carmen and let's spend some time in psalm 10 so i um I have added into my practice uh, in terms of my time that I'm spending with the Lord every single day, my quiet time, you might call it, um, my study time. Um, I have added in this practice of working my way into and through the Psalms. And so it's January the 10th, so I'm in Psalm 10. Where in the Word are you? Where in the Word are you today? I am, among other places, I'm in Psalm 10 so let's take a moment and just reflect together on this psalm. Why do you stand far away, Lord? Why do you seemingly hide yourself in times of trouble? Don't you see the arrogance <laughs> the, the wicked um, live in? Don't you see how the wicked hotly pursue people who are in need? Let them be caught up in their own plots, Don't you see how the wicked boast of their own desires? How the greedy curse and show disrespect to you? The wicked, in their haughtiness, do not seek God. There's no God in all their schemes. God's ways succeed at all times. Your judgments are on high. And those are out of the sight of the wicked as for all of his enemies that arrogant person snorts at them he says to himself i am not going to be moved throughout the generations uh, i will not be in adversity like i i got myself covered his mouth is full of cursing deceit oppression under his tongue is harm and injustice he sits in the lurking places of the village like in the shadows he kills the innocent in the secret places His eyes surreptitiously watch for those who are unfortunate. He lurks in secret like a lion in a lair. He lurks to catch those who are in need, catching the needy, pulling them into his net. And then he crushes them. He crushes each one who cowers. And those unfortunate people, they fall by his mighty power. He says to himself, God's forgotten. God's hidden his face. God's not going to see what I'm doing. Arise, Lord. God, lift up your hand. Don't forget the humble. Why has the wicked treated God so disrespectfully? The wicked saying to himself, God's not going to require a count. You have seen it. You have looked at harm and provocation. The unfortunate commit themselves to you, God. You've been the helper of the orphan. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Seek out their wickedness until you find none left. Lord God, you're king forever and ever. Nations, perish from the land. Lord, you've heard the desire of the humble. Strengthen their heart. Make your ear attentive. Vindicate the orphan and the oppressed so that mankind, those of the earth, would no longer cause Terror for one another. Wow. Wow. Uh, evil people certainly seem to experience success uh, day in and day out, year in and year out, epic upon epic. From a worldly perspective, um, evil people, generation to generation, regime to regime, actively seek out those who are poor and helpless and weak and take advantage of them. It is literally the way of the world. The wicked brag about how they tear other people down. They ignore God's will. They um, mock God. David's depiction in Psalm 10 of the wicked is one of, like, predators. People literally preying on other people. Does that sound like the world today? It, It does to me. And so David makes this strong complaint about the presence of evil in the midst of his generation. And I think we can make this a strong complaint about the presence of evil um, and the way people act in evil today. Is God aware? Yes. Is God concerned? Yes. Can God disrupt the power of the wicked? Yes. The The psalm ends with an acknowledgment of the Lord's presence and power and concern, a reassurance of his ultimate victory. And so Psalm 10, which begins with frustration and anguish, ends with a faithful, hopeful, even triumphant note. And that's what I come to us today. Even as our prayers, um, or even as in our prayers, we come before the Lord frustrated, and sometimes in anguish, wanting to know where he is. And why things are the way they are, let us remember that God is God and God is good, and ultimately God redeems. Heather Zeiger is a friend of the show she's a science writer she's an analyst for the Center for Bioethics and human dignity we're going um we're going to talk about some everyday bioethics um, and why, as Christians, we do need to think about the ethics of our day and how they apply um, to the realities of life. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now is our friend Heather Zeiger. Good morning, Heather, and Happy New Year. Morning, Carmen. Happy New Year to you, too. Okay, so um, we want to work together here to even maybe define bioethics and um, and look at everyday bioethics. So this is an area uh, of expertise for you. You walk around in these conversations all the time. Um, you work with the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. So um, maybe let's do this. Like, you know, what what are bioethics? And as a Christian, um, how how ought we be thinking about these things?
1: Yeah, so like, yesterday at staff meeting, for the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity staff meeting, I, I knew we were going to talk about this and I told them that, I asked them, I'm like, hey, so what should I tell them? What do you guys think? So, uh, <laughs> well, our executive good. director actually had written an article about this, um, 20 years ago when he was working on his bioethics degree because so many people were asking him, wait, what is bioethics again? Uh, so anyway, we, it, that was, that was very helpful. Um, just to give you a definition. So this is a simple definition here. The word bio in bioethics describes science medicine and technology and ethics is about discerning right and wrong so bioethics is kind of this umbrella term that includes medical ethics like end-of-life care physician-assisted suicide abortion informed consent and also includes research ethics like cloning and genetic engineering so we're looking at right and wrong but as it has to do with science medicine and technology particularly as it deals with human beings so that's a Basic definition, but that's I think so, the even
0: yeah that it, no what? that's so good and it helps like even just that basic definition like opens up the categories of conversation. So yes. when I'm thinking about talking with a young couple who is married and very much wants to be pregnant but is having um, difficulty, you know that that that's just not happening. You know, there's everything from we we pray about this. To all of the technologies that are now available, um, and and options that are out there that are possible because of medicine and technology, um, and somewhere in there, the Christian, you know, has to say this is right and this goes beyond what is right. And then I think we have those same conversations um, about illness. We have those same conversations about um, technology in terms of. You know, are we going to have it implanted into our bodies? I mean, like, whatever the latest thing is. Um, And then, obviously, the end-of-life conversations that you have pointed to as well. So, when, you know, when we talk about things that we're hearing about and seeing and reading... Um, CRISPR technology, you know, they can edit our genes or whatever, like on and on and on. All of those fall into this category of bioethics. And as Christians, we want to be informed um, and we want to have really sorted out from a biblical worldview what is right and what is wrong. And, And so that's what you're helping us do. And I love that.
1: Yeah, well, and you bring up a good point, like we're dealing with the edges of life here, and that's something everyone has to deal with, whether it's beginning of life issues like infertility or end of life, like you're dealing with the death of a parent or a loved one, or you're making decisions about when you need to change your your goals from curing to comfort care, you know, things like that, and I think as Christians, our faith is one that is that is one of body and soul. We believe we're both physical and spiritual. So I think our culture likes to say, oh, there's the physical world, and then there's you know the life of the mind or the spiritual, and those are completely different. But when you get to the edges of life, and I would include enhancement technologies, Carmen, because really that's about mm. mortality and limitations, okay? I mean, it really. So in, in, you're dealing with both body and soul. You're dealing with the spiritual angst. You're dealing with the limitations of the body and the effects of the fall. Um, I actually, not to get too, that, that's very practical. Um, let me take you a little bit theological and then I'll, I'll give you kind of a practical application. So as Christians, we don't worship technology and we don't worship medicine, but we can see these as good gifts from God. But these gifts can also be misused, right? So we tend to take a more, I think the Christian worldview, rightly applied, takes a moderate view. And this really helps us be a voice of reason in the culture when all these tech optimists want to say, hey, the latest technology is going like, to save us from all of our you know weaknesses and societal ills. Maybe we can even stave off death. And these tech pessimists want to avoid technology because they're afraid. And so, as Christians, we actually can be this, this, we can be a moderating voice, and that comes completely out of the biblical, biblical perspective um, of gifts from God, but also in a fallen world. So, how does that actually apply? Well, look, I mean, you'd go, I don't care if you're at church or it's your neighbor or whoever. Um, Oftentimes, when people are dealing with these bioethical issues like end of life or infertility, like you mentioned, or, um, you know, they're trying to decide, hey, do I, you know, do this, that or the other for my child who has this, you know, issue? Do I give them this medication? Do we do this? Um as a Christian, you can come alongside them, because quite frankly, a lot of times these bioethics issues that they're dealing with are some of the hardest things they'll ever have to deal with in their life, or that's the hardest thing that they're dealing with right now. And we can compassionately come beside them and, you know, help uh, help talk to them. Because when you're in the midst of this, it's really hard to think clearly. But as 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 a friend, as a neighbor, you can come alongside and remind them that at the end of the day, God is sovereign. And, and he created us and that, you know, technology is not going to save us, but it can be helpful, but it's not the end all be
0: all. Heather, the, uh, the conversations that we all need to be having about these things, um, are often not had until the moment that, um, there's a crisis. There's a, a deep, deep desire for either something, um, physical in, in an individual's body or something like we want a child and we want a child at all costs and we want our genetic child. And even if that requires a surrogate who's an impoverished woman halfway around the world, you know, we want what we want. Some of these conversations um, are not just about um, technology or the use of something that science or medicine has developed um, but our concerns about the dignity of other people, um, even even some of these enhancement technologies, um, you know, they're never going to be accessible to the poorest of the poor, and so access even even to particular forms of healthcare, like I, so I think all of these, there's human dignity conversations to be had here. There are conversations about um, what is available to some and not to all. Um, I mean, all of these conversations fall into this category of everyday bioethics. we got to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Heather Zeiger. She's a science writer. She's an analyst for the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. And we're we're just talking about, like, what does it mean? Um, Why do we need to think about bioethics as Christians? And what are some of the categories in which we're thinking about those things? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. What are some of the things that you find hard to believe? Do you find it hard to believe that God hears you? Do you find it hard to believe that God loves you? Do you find it hard to believe that right now God knows how many hairs there are on your head and how many are on your hairbrush? Like, do you sometimes find it hard to believe that God cares about you and the stuff going on in your life right now? My friend Susie Larson wants you to be reminded every single day, every single day, that God is good. Would you like to wake up to the goodness of God? Just text the word GOOD to 877-933-2484. Every single day, you'll get encouraging text messages, prayers, and devotions from Susie Larson right on your phone. Just text the word GOOD to 877-933-2484. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. We're talking with Heather Zeiger. She's a science writer and an analyst for the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. Um, Heather, we're talking about this just like, you know, big, big conversation here at the start of the year about bioethics. Um, Maybe let's bring it down to, uh, you know, an everyday level. What are some of the things that you are paying attention to? watching concerned about developments in the culture or in society or science and technology where you're like, all right, this this is this is where we can have a rubber meets the road conversation about bioethics and Christians thinking about these things.
1: Yeah, there's a few things, Carmen. You had mentioned um justice issues before uh the break, and you know, there are some CRISPR technologies like uh, uh, sickle cell uh This uh, this genetic engineering that can actually engineer the cells and it's actually helping people with sickle cell disease. Well, it's an incredibly expensive treatment. So many of these genetic treatments are prohibitively expensive. And so that's a justice issue, right? Because um, this, this isn't available to everyone. And so that's something that's continuing to come up. Um, Other things that I'm concerned about, of course, are part of the human dignity issue is some of this uh, deep fake technology, some of the ways that that could be exploitive. And then something that continues to be in the news is um, physician aid in dying laws. So end of life issues, um, aid in dying uh, is how we we say it in the United States and Canada, they call it medical aid in dying. Um, It's Uh, Some of these things are very, uh, very much in the news. These are things that we vote on. These are laws that you vote on. Um, And then, of course, um, you know, uh, some of the uh, abortion issues and then whether whether certain medications uh, are should be available. And then um, also gender affirming care. Um, are, Are those pharmaceuticals well tested Um, And furthermore, is that even right due to children who are otherwise healthy? These kinds of things, Carmen, uh, are all bioethical issues that I've been paying attention to.
0: Mm, Those are all so good. Um, I I guess um, technology is, you know, a conversation that we're probably all engaged in at some level. Um, And this is a little bit of a departure from the bioethics conversation, but certainly the Christian ethics conversation um let's talk about a robot constitution uh, do do robots need a constitution? What would constitute a robot constitution? and why is Google working on it
1: yeah so that's uh this is great because this is totally an ethics question right because uh, a robot constitution. Uh, and Google's deriving this from, I, I don't know if you guys know Isaac Asimov. He's a well-known science fiction writer from mid-20th century, and he had his three laws of robotics. And so these robots would have these three laws, and I believe the three laws were like, you have to, you can't do anything to harm a human being. You have to follow what your, your owner, the human being, tells you to do. And then there was a third law that escapes me right now. So, Google has decided. I got
0: them. I got them. Here they are. A robot may not injure a human being or through inaction, allow a human being to come to harm. A robot must obey orders given it by human beings, except where such orders could conflict with the first law. And a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or the second law. There you go.
1: (laughs) Right. So Google has Google has decided that, that it's, and these are little robots that would be used to assist in offices or to assist in, in different, um, work environments. And so they, these, this constitution is a series of safety props and it is, instructs these robots to avoid choosing tasks and involve humans or avoid doing things that'll involve animals or sharp objects or even electrical appliances. Um, you know, you want to be able to say, tell your robot, Hey, go get the thing off the copier without it, you know, running over people while it gets over, goes over <laughs> there. Um, problem Carmen. So first of all, in ethics, you know, when you have a set of rules like principles or set of rules, one of the big problems is, well, what if the two conflict? What if two of your principles conflict? How do you decide which one's better? And robots can't do that. And so I don't know if these people have read Isaac Asimov's uh, short stories, but he invents these three laws and then he has all these short stories about how these laws go awry. Uh, I, one of them that I remember is a robot um, ending up going in circles. Like he got stuck going in circles because if he went too far this direction, it would cause harm to himself. But if he went too far this other direction, it would cause harm to the human being. And he, his brain started glitching and he just ended up going in circles, you know, and, and that, that's that was the more innocuous one. There was another one where, a, you know, a human being asked the robot to give the robot his arm so he could kill someone with the arm and the robot couldn't do that. But the human being asked him to do that. And a robot wouldn't technically be causing harm, but it would be, you know, secondary. And so his brain the robots brain glitched and it didn't know what to do so i mean i I think at the end of the day we have to remember human beings are able to discern right and wrong in these situations that's nice that there's a robot constitution i don't know if that will necessarily work out in every single complex situation
0: yeah um it just it's just one of those things that um we can have a playful conversation about at one level, and then we can have a very, very serious conversation about at another level. Because it does lead us, um, again, from from something like science fiction to reality in some workplaces like Google to a conversation um, in our own household and with our friends about, you know, what what is what does it mean to be human? What is uniquely human? What does it mean to... Um, treat other people with equity and what does it mean um, to treat technology differently than like, do I understand that robots are not um, soulish creatures? Do I understand that? Um, I mean, if a robot confesses, uh, if AI, some form of AI confesses faith in Christ, has it become a Christian? I mean, there's just all kinds of, of conversations we could engage in um, that, may seem totally out there may seem uh, you know beyond the bounds of science um and beyond the bounds of what we ought to be talking about but these are the conversations that younger people in particular find fascinating and want to engage in and so um i i think it's i think it's worth our time i think it's worth our um conversation it's certainly worth our intrigue so thank you for um being intrigued with us along the way we really appreciate it
1: yeah carmen this is we it sounds science fictiony but this, this is a conversation that a lot of people in the ai artificial intelligence artificial general intelligence world are asking and a lot of times these questions start delving into what is consciousness and mm. what does it mean to be a human um i believe uh, our uh, the cbhd book group we were we read clara and the sun by uh Ishiguro. Um, Mm. He wrote Remains of the Day and Never Let Me Go. And he has a book, Clara and the Sun. And the book is from the perspective of a robot, of of, uh, Clara. She's an artificial intelligence robot. She's a friend, artificial friend. And throughout the book, the question is, what does it mean to be human? And sometimes you feel like Clara is a human and sometimes you see how she is very much not a human. It's really interesting. I recommend that book for people that maybe don't want anything too techy, but still want to ask themselves these tech questions in a fiction setting.
0: Okay, what is the book again?
1: Clara and the Sun. And it's by uh, Kira Ishiguro, the guy who wrote Remains of the Day.
0: Interesting. All right. Hey, thank you so much. A little book recommendation for us from Heather Zeiger today. You can check out what Heather is writing and what she is working on at heatherzeiger.com for uh, for some equipping in the area of everyday bioethics. Check out the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity, cbhd.org. Uh, you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. Next up, we're going to talk with our friend, Deborah Folletta. This is a new year. Um, maybe you have made some observations and or commitments about a new you, a renewed you, a new focus on renewal. Maybe you even want to make a full reset. What would that look like? What would the component parts of beginning again again look like? Like a total reset, like what if there were a reset button? Um, what would happen if moment by moment, day by day, you reset, you and I were to reset our hearts and minds on the right things, um, reset our desires and our appetites, reset um, our language and the kinds of questions we ask, the conversations we're willing to engage in. Deborah Folletta is a psychologist. Um, True Love Dates is, uh, is the ministry. We're going to talk about um, some things going on just in terms of topics that have been raised uh, in conversations that Deborah is having um, with folks across the country that um, they just sound like the kinds of conversations that you and I have. And so I want to bring her into those as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, our friend Deborah Folletta is back. You can connect with her and find um, access to what we're talking about today at com. Also, TrueLoveDates.com. Happy New Year, Deborah. Happy New Year to you, Carmen. All right, so embedded in this question is a real question. What's new with you? Oh, that's a great question. Um,
2: so many things are new in the new year. Uh, one that I'm most excited about with work is uh, started this new style of podcasts recently where I'm kind of focusing in on having on-air counseling sessions. So that's kind of brave for those who come on and join me,
0: but it's been really fun. Okay. So I'm so glad that you opened this door. Um, here's, here's part of what I like about the way you frame this new approach to your podcast. We're all on a journey of healing. Well, first of all, yeah. amen to that, right? Amen yeah. to that. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and relationally, and we're all on the journey together. Well, amen to that. None of us are immune to the struggles, um, but we do not have to walk alone. And so then you invite us into the conversation, like, right, To if we're not going to walk alone, then at some point we got to talk. We got <laughs> to yeah. say out loud. Here's the struggle I'm having. Will you walk with me on this leg of the journey? That's really what you're doing in this podcast. So um, maybe talk with us about the, the first episode and we'll just dive into that. That, that might be a fun conversation to have. Yeah, the, the, the podcast itself is called
2: Talk to Me. And it's because I really do want to talk. And I think you either share or you store. And, and, and sharing is the way that you release some of these hardships, some of the trauma, not only that, but sharing is one of the ways that you get to process what's going on inside of you, untangle some of it as you bring it forth. You're, you're inviting healing because you're bringing it to the light. Um, The Bible tells us to bring Things to the light so that they can be healed pray for one another and and share with one another and so i think there's something really powerful especially in the presence of somebody who is also a believer where two or three are gathered right so we're gathering in this context to talk and to pray and to invite the holy spirit to help direct our conversation towards healing so it has been powerful for me as well as a counselor, and you know I'm not immune to these struggles either. So during these conversations, the Holy Spirit teaches me just as much. And so the first conversation was with Maddie Pruitt, Maddie Pruitt Trout, who um, was a was a a, a a star on the show The Bachelor. And in and of itself, she she just felt like okay, this is something I normally wouldn't do, but this seems like a good ministry opportunity. The door opened. So she she joined the show. And so in our, in our session, we're processing how difficult that actually was for her. Dealing mm. with the pressure, facing all of the insecurities that came up. And, and a lot of what she talks about is so, are, are things that a lot of people like me and you can relate to.
0: When we when we think about opportunities that God um, presents to us, even the even discerning whether or not just because there's a door open, we should walk through it. And then after you've made the choice to walk through the door, um, living as a Christian in that environment and dealing with, in her case, the pressures that arise, the temptations that arise, um, and just how difficult it is. To right. be who you are in Christ in the midst of an environment that is just really not fanning the flame of that. Um how, how can the average person like me um, take a conversation that we're hearing you have with somebody like Maddie Pruitt Trout, who is not like me? Like I'm I mean, I'm like her in that we're both Christians, but I'm just not like her in a lot of other ways. Help us um use the conversation that we're overhearing you have with Maddie and help us um, weave that into not only the way that we're thinking through things, but how we might use it to help someone else think through what they're dealing with.
2: Well, one of the things that came to the surface in our conversation was feelings of insecurity. Mm -hmm. And, and so I challenged her to, um, Face the fact that maybe she was using people as her measuring stick when when people praise you and when you're um a straight a student and when you're going to church and doing all these great things and in ministry and people say, Great job. It's easy to allow that to make you feel great and worthy and valuable, but then how you handle praise is also indicative of how you will more than likely handle criticism and if you make much of praise you also make much of criticism so when the tables turned and everybody around her was like oh you're 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 this you're that you're not good enough i can't believe you did that how terrible of you started bullying her online Um, She started receiving critique and criticism from both sides, from the church as well as from the world. It really sent her down a negative path of depression, and she spiraled. And so when you think about that, it's something for us to take into consideration. What is my measuring stick? Mm -hmm. Who do I measure my value and worth based on what they say? And, and and sometimes we take people's praise, but once the criticism comes, we can't handle it. But it's the same measuring stick. If you're going to use the measuring stick of what people say to influence your value and worth, then guess what? You also have to use that same measuring stick when criticism comes. And so a big part of it is for us to learn not to be ple- people pleasers And to learn instead to be God-pleasers. Not that we don't care what people think and we do whatever we want, but that our value and worth is not informed by what they think of us, by what they believe about us, by what they say about us. And in that regard, I think most of us can relate. Whether whether you are on The Bachelor or whether you're a stay-at-home mom or whether you're in the industry, um, working in the field, whether you're a lawyer or a doctor or a student, I think we can all relate to the temptation of allowing people around us to speak into our value and worth. And our measuring stick is something we have to reassess every day. Who am I allowing myself to be measured by?
0: That's so good. I I recently, um, well, here's a conversation I'm resisting. Maybe I'll describe it that way. I have a young fan. He is in his... uh, I, I don't know if they're like twenty three are they in their mid twenties yet i don't know early twenties <laughs> and he's a fan yeah. and he's a fan like uh like when when that measure comes out, you know where it shows like how many hours you spent listening to a particular podcast or whatever he like screenshotted his and sent it to me because he's like i'm a <laughs> mega fan I'm a super fan like whatever and so um he recently um through a third party, was like, you ought to have a bigger platform, a bigger audience, more people need to hear you, and you ought to be making a whole lot more money, which of course is silly because I work for a nonprofit ministry and I'm not measuring my life that way. I'm just not. right, right. Um, But that, I mean, you know, if you just want to bring the temptation that Maddie Pruitt Trout is talking about or that you're talking with her about, and I want to hear over here that conversation that you guys are having um, on your podcast, talk to me, and I want to apply it in my own life. I'm going to pivot and I'm going to say to this person, you know, here's, you know, here's the thing. I am operating every single day, every single day before an audience of one. I mean, yes, other people are measuring how many people are listening, like how many people are listening live on the radio and how many people are listening to podcasts because those measures matter to the organization that I serve and they matter institutionally and they matter ultimately financially to the ministry and all of that. But they don't, I don't want to say they don't matter to me. What matters to me is that I am, um, saying things and saying things in a way and having conversations that are pleasing to God. That's, that's it. Audience of one. Yeah. Um, I mean, for the applause of heaven, that that's it. Like good, uh, well done, good and faithful servant that that's it. And so, and it's um, so easy yeah, so for the- that
2: measuring stick to change. Like what, what sure. you're saying is so honest and real. And it, it's amazing that it, it's not like we say, okay, once and done, this is it. I'm a God pleaser. It's every day. There's a new temptation to start allowing other things, other voices to start influencing my value and my worth. Every single day, I have to realign myself mm-hmm. to the measuring stick of who God is and what he has called me to do and, 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 and close my eyes and ears to To the measuring stick of people, not that we don't measure anything, like you said, Carmen. I mean, we have goals, right? It's okay to have goals. Mm-hmm. It's okay mm-hmm. to have health goals, weight goals, um, numbers goals, financial goals. But the difference is, those goals are not the measuring stick that determines my value and my worth. That's Jesus so good.
0: Th- that's so good because I, I, it, there is a balance or a. I don't know if the word is balance. Uh, there, there is a, an intersection, or um, maybe even a friction. Right? There are goals, and goals are good, and measures are important. And um, if we don't ever measure something, then we don't really know where we are. I mean, we wouldn't know good fruit from bad fruit if we didn't know how to examine the fruit and say this is good and this is bad. Like so. So we're not talking here about being people of no judgment. We're talking right. about judging correctly and judging rightly, um, and recognizing that who we are in Christ um, is, is ultimately the dividing line. That is the measure. Um, and sort of everything else is secondary to that. But everything else is also related to that. I mean, right. so the goals that we do have personally, professionally, physically, financially, relationally, emotionally, like, I, all, all of those areas of life are really good to have goals and so and, that I can be those moving affect- intentionally in the right direction. They affect our, the quality of our life, mm-hmm. but they don't affect our
2: value. It's they good. don't affect our worth. And I think that's the difference. I think sometimes we start to shift and the things that are going to affect our quality of life that we want to do better. Did I have a good day today? Did I eat well today? Did I treat my kids nicely today? Did I make more money today? The things that are going to affect the quality of our life, sometimes we easily begin to shift those in a position that they do not deserve and that is the Mm. position of determining our value and that's when things start going south that's when depression and anxiety starts to sneak in because those things will never be able to give us the satisfaction that we need and if we make much of those things when they're going well Then we also have to make much of those things when they're not going so well, when we're not meeting our goals, when we're having a bad day. Uh, but, But Jesus loves us. He values us. He accepts us. He deems us worthy apart from all of those things. And man, imagine if we could just live that way every single day.
0: It's so good. So good. All right, we're going to continue our conversation with Deborah Folletta here in just a moment. I'm going to ask her about um, the episode of her her new podcast or re-revisioned renewed podcast, the the podcast that she has reset, um, what it looks like uh, on on her new format and in her new conversation to talk with a former porn star who's now a pastor. Mm Mm-hmm. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Maybe you've heard that Faith Radio partners with one child to offer you the opportunity to sponsor a child living in difficult circumstances in a hard place. Well, when you sponsor a child supplying for their needs, you change a life. And when you change the life of one child, you change the world. Your one child learns that God loves them more than they can imagine and that God's got special plans for their life. Your one child gets help with school and is taught skills like leadership and how to even overcome poverty. Your one child gets nutritious food and vital medical care that can be life-saving. You might not be able to change the world, but you can, in fact, change the life of one child. Meet the kids. Find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. talking with Dr. Deborah Faleta. She is a psychologist. You can connect with her online in a number of places. DebraFaleta.com, TrueLoveDates.com. I love her book Reset. If you're looking for a good New Year book to examine um, the habits of your your thoughts and understand your feelings and change your life, Reset is a a great book to do that. She has re- Envisioned and recast her podcast. Uh, Talk to me is the new framework. And yesterday, um, you you dropped a podcast where you are talking with a former porn star who is now a pastor. Tell us about that. Yeah, what a conversation! I think
2: <laughs> we were all in tears the first fifteen minutes because it was just such a raw, real conversation. You know when you When you think about somebody who's a porn star, I think most of us as christians it's it's a quick judgment, like how could somebody get themselves in that type of situation? You know mm-hmm. we all know better, you know, some of us holier than thou folks. It's like you 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 just can't imagine but everybody has a story, and it's amazing as we unpacked his story, um a story of an absent father a story of never feeling good enough, a story of an abusive stepfather where he felt like he needed to protect his mom and he never could. So these these themes of inadequacy, these themes that I'm not good enough, these themes that I have nothing to offer the world start to emerge in his life. And when the opportunity for him to to join the adult industry came along, you know, in a sense, it gave him an opportunity to prove to the world that he did have something to offer, even though it was unhealthy, even though it wasn't good for him. Uh, But it gave him a faux sense of affirmation. And I think about myself when I'm having these conversations, I think about the people that are listening to this podcast and this on-air counseling session. And it's like, okay, maybe you can't relate to being in the adult industry, to being a porn star. But can you relate to a childhood where maybe at some point you didn't feel good enough? Can you relate to a season in your life as an adult where you felt some sense of inadequacy? And then the next question is, how did you deal with that? What did you do to fill that void? Do you go to things that, that provide you with faux affirmation? Or do you go to the truth? Do you go to the truth of God and who he is and, and what he calls you to be and who he says you are? And so it was just such a fascinating story listening to his life and his journey and how it kind of played out and why. I think one of the, the the key takeaways from all of these sessions is understanding why so that we can do it differently. Um so yeah, it it was it was definitely a a, a heartfelt conversation and bring the tissues
0: when you go listen. <laughs> so here's the um here's how I want to press us into a conversation um beyond the conversation that you had with this individual. Because one of the things that you even say to us is, you know, like, you can't imagine. And yet we all confess we do. We all confess that as soon as you tell us that the person we're talking with is a former porn star, even though we're like, oh, we can't imagine, we all do. Right. Um, that's where our imagination goes. Everyone does have a story. Everyone does have a backstory. Here's what I want to know. How, how do I stop myself from seeing that person as their former sin, as opposed to seeing that person as a redeemed brother or sister in Christ. I'm thinking here about not seeing the woman caught in adultery but the woman forgiven and transformed by Jesus. Not seeing the woman at the well who's got a series of broken relationships and failed marriages, but seeing a woman transformed by Jesus. Not seeing a woman who lived as a lesbian and advocated for LGBTQ inclusion, but seeing a woman who's been transformed and redeemed by Jesus. I mean, do do you see where I'm going? Like, How do we not see people as their former sin and see them as people transformed by Jesus?
2: You know, I would say that most people who struggle the most with this are people who also see themselves through the lens of their right and wrong. I think the more that we tend to judge people, there's a good chance that deep down we are actually judging ourselves. And, and so I think it's really reflective of what's going on internally inside of us. I think it's reflective of the health of our own spirit. Uh, what kind of people that we are, and and I think the more we can see ourselves as people in need of grace, people who have been forgiven much, uh, it, it changes how we view people around us, so I actually think it's a great litmus test for us, it's like, okay, how do I view people when I hear their stories, do I have a heart of compassion, or do I have a, a heart of judgment, and then kind of turning the tables around at what I believe about myself, and and do I really believe in the grace of God, or am I living my life just to please Him through what I do? Um, because oftentimes, how we talk to ourselves also comes out in how we view people. Mm-hmm. So it, it's definitely a litmus test, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Um, let me say this: if you're listening right now and you're 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 wanting to sort of like ask yourself that reflective question, um, what's the lens through which? You are judging someone else. Um, How are you hearing their story? Do you see yourself as one who has been forgiven much? How do um, people view you when they hear your story? Are you telling your story with Jesus as the main character, the centerpiece? Before Jesus, this is what my life was like. Then I met Jesus. And after I met Jesus, This is who I have become. This is now how I live. This is now how I think and why I do what I do, why I see you the way I see you, and why I am um, engaged, uh, even in this conversation at this moment with you, um, seeking to better live into my Christ calling. I hope that's... um, I hope that's a helpful conversation for you today. As you enter into the world that God so loves, let's do so in ways that honor Jesus. Let's be apprehending the mind of Christ on the matters of the day. Let's be praying ardently for one another and let's be speaking words of blessing over one another. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith,